Welcome to Stemming in Stilettos with Dr. Tasha, a podcast for and about women of color in STEM. These women are brave, beautiful, and brilliant. Their stories deserve and need to be heard. Their voice strong, their message clear, their experiences priceless. Now let's welcome this wonderful winning woman of color to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Stimming is the Letters with Dr. Tasha. And, of course, as duly noted and promised, uh, we always have a great guest. We always have the best guest, and today is no different. We have Dr. Sabrina Atwaters with us, and truth moment, it's like we've known each other or and about each other for a long time because we have mutual friends. And for some reason, we just, you know, we can't seem to get it together. But today, the magic happened, <laughs> and Dr. Atwaters is here, and I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much, Dr. Tasha. It is a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation and the chance to have a little bit of a conversation with the Stimming and Stilettos uh, constituency. So, glad to be here. In full disclosure, I am, um, I'm super excited. So my audience know when I get excited, like stuff happens, right? <laughs> so, so I'm just so, I'm just really glad that we were actually able to make this happen. Um, like, you know, like I've said before, we weren't in the same circle. So we know some of the same people and our people are good people. <laughs> Great people, right? Great people. Um, but as I start every show, and this, again, will be no different. Dr. Atwaters, please tell us your STEM story. Huh. Well, my STEM story, I imagine, probably started similar to most with great teachers in a public school setting. Um, for me, it started around, uh, I wouldn't say probably not until my second or third year, sophomore, junior year of high school. Um you know, I went to an Atlanta public school, um, high school. I went to Murphy High School, um, that became Krim. And, you know, we were in the hood, let's be honest. I tell people I'm from the non-gentrified Kirkwood. Um, but we had teachers who really cared and, you know, the whole gifted track. You had pe- teachers that once they were behind you, they were behind you. Um, and it was those teachers, I think, that identified and, and helped cultivate both my passion and skills around science and math. And to be honest, math was my thing. I love math, right? And I've loved math since algebra. And so by the time we got to my junior senior year, um, there was a math competition and our, our teachers was good for putting us into these competitions, you know, where I'll be honest, not too many people expected much from the Murphy High students. And, mm-hmm. and so they would send us to the debates with your Mays High, your Douglas High, and, you know, we come out winning. <laughs> so um, I won that and had the opportunity to compete at the state level. Um, and I also began to just look more into what fields, you know, junior year, you think about, okay, what do I do? This high school journey is about to end on um, what fields I wanted to go into. And our trig pre-calc teacher invited the Georgia Tech chapter of Society of Black Engineers out to give a talk. 
And I was leaning towards engineering, more so kind of doubly, um, because it's physics and math. And I tell people all the time, physics is my favorite science because it's probably more math-based than a lot. So, you know, we, there we are. Um, and uh, after they finished, though, I knew I wanted to go to Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be honest, my STEM career almost, you know, took a different slightly turn because when I shared that with my counselors um, and a few others, you know, you get that uh, tech, you know, as if that was an impossible feat for me. Um, and I had a difficult conversation with my counselor, but a reassuring one with my mom. Mm. And someone of a strong faith. And she said very distinctly, "You, that's where you want to go. That's where you apply and that's where you'll go. And that's a, that was a bold statement from my mom who at the time, to be honest, had just her car had just been re, re, uh, possessed. Mm-hmm. You know, she was staying in a home that was being renovated and the construction workers probably shouldn't have let her stay there, but she had nowhere else to go. Um, so, and I had full rise to two other schools. So going mm-hmm. to tech probably meant giving those up. Um, but, you know, I think that type of boldness helped fuel me. Um, and it was a great decision because I got to Georgia Tech surrounded by people who shared my passion for science and math and engineering. Um, and there were a few nucleus, you know, a cohort here that looked like me and who else backgrounds and, and was first gen like me. And, you know, we showed up here. Um, and it, it, it just became a, role-changing um, experience for me. I was able to do something like undergraduate research with uh, a Dr. Gary May, who made that happen, right? Uh, who's now chancellor at UC Davis, right? But then he was the new, a new black faculty member at Georgia Tech. Right, right. You know, I got to meet the, you know, uh, Dr. Brian Blakes, who's now the first black president of Georgia State, the Erica Mallett, who's executive director, right? These are people, the, the, you know, Cedric Stahlborst. I mean, it's just a list, right, of people that then we were just young people going after these passions and dreams that our family uh, had not. But that that was my transformative entryway. I interned with Motorola. Uh, I came into, I think, doubly at the right time because telecommunications was going to this wireless path. Right. I'm an RF design engineer, uh, and uh, upon graduation, I um, got a job with Sprint Wireless up in Chicago. Um, and as a native ATLian, you can you can know that that was an experience. Mm-hmm. While it was exciting, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a young black woman on a team. You know, of, of people who really didn't look at like me, and predominantly, you know, men. Uh, right. But it was great because, you know, you quickly are subject matter experts at a time that wireless design was growing. And so it was exciting. I think within a year, I received a 15K bonus because, you know, they were trying to teach, keep these RF experts in wireless, right? I had a expense account. I traveled to Florida at least twice a week uh, because my market was the panhandle. So this was life that I just couldn't have dreamed of. And I think my STEM STEM story uh, leads me to that. Ultimately, I came back to Atlanta right at the right time in 96 mm-hmm. with the Olympics, so able to be part of the Olympics. Oh. 
uh, working for Singer the Wireless that became AT&T Wireless, you know, that whole full circle of that. Uh, and then ultimately back to grad school, uh, where I began to combine passions, first getting my um, master's in instructional technology from Georgia State, which combined my passion for education and technology, uh, and then moving forward, uh, I have a master's from Emory in theological studies, and people often say, okay, how does that fit with your STEM story? But I was among, you know, the first few who was doing uh, religious practices in Internet and virtual world spaces, right? Ooh. So this last year, <laughs> as you can imagine, it's like, ah, this work. But uh, looking into that, which ultimately led me back to Georgia Tech uh, to get my Ph.D. And I don't think, though, anywhere in that journey, I thought I would be where I landed in full circle now. <laughs> right. Of OMAD, you know, on the other side, <laughs> teaching classes, uh, you know, uh, designing initiatives, you know, influencing people who kind of like that young girl from Kirkwood who had no idea the, the breadth of, of where STEM would take me. So, and my family, right? And, and change my economic projections and, and all of that. Um, so I say for me, my STEM story is so intertwined to my life story yeah it, it changed it you know it changed how i saw the world it changed how i functioned in this world right um it uh yeah so i guess my stem story started 13 years ago and it's maybe somewhat of a love affair i would say <laughs> i promise you listen i i, I listened to your story and and Knowing that we were probably at tech at, at around the same time, because um, again we know some of the same people. Um, I just it's like I I I relate to that because neither so my parents um, both had some school um, some or they went to tech school or trade school um, for their degrees. My mom was a search tech. My dad was a mechanic. Um, and so they were doing, they were, and that was even after, that was like after they started a career in this. So they were like, oh, now I need to go and get, you know, you're telling me I have to go get this thing. So they were doing a thing before, because this is what they did, right? You just, you go, you found something you were qualified to do and you did. Um, and so I didn't know how I was going to, I knew I was going to college or wanted to go to college. Um. I too had a counselor and teachers who were like, um, listen, you, you're too, you, you're too smart. You're too bright. You, you know, you need to figure out what college you're going to and we'll, we'll help you find the money. So I got into every other college that I applied to, except for I was, I was waitlisted at Georgia Tech. Interesting. And I was like, I cried so hard. When I got the, you know, the letter, because now it's an email, but back in the day, you got a letter in the mail. You got a letter. <laughs> okay, you got a letter in the mail. And I cried so hard when I got that waitlist letter. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And my mother was like, you have a full ride to the University of Alabama. You have a full ride to Wake Forest. You have, you know, like these places, right? Um, you have a full ride to Fairview. You have like, I had all of these things, but like Georgia Tech was the thing that I was like, I want to go to this school. I think I just know and knew that it would be life changing. And it was because I finally got there. So they were like, well, okay, if you want to come, you're going to have to come summer semester. 
So I literally graduated high school and the next week I was on a college campus, oh moving into a dorm. Oh and so um it, it was, but it was, again, it was life changing. I met people who, you know, who were smarter than me, who thought differently, who looked differently, um, changed my worldview in a lot of different ways, um, met um, some lifelong friends, um, you know, and and that was the thing that you you can't, I can never take that away and, and wouldn't want to. So Georgia Tech gave that to me. It also helped me, you know, launch launch my own STEM story, right? Because I didn't know what STEM was. I didn't know what an engineer was. I didn't know. So I can so relate to your story on so many different levels. Um, and yes, I think your mother, that statement that your mother made um, was pretty bold. Um, have you gone back and you, and have you thanked her for it yet? <laughs> yeah, you know, I've had an opportunity to do a few interviews now, you know, mm. but she knows I call her my sunshine. Uh, so, yeah, she, she's, you know, her, her faith is something that's unwavering. And so, uh, look, not only look, that was just the beginning, uh, Dr. Tasha, you know, uh, there were many nights over here at Tech that I had to recall, like, you know what? I think we heard the Lord wrong. <laughs> this is not for me, especially undergrad, right? You know, right. Uh, and I can't tell you what it felt like. I think people, when I returned from PhD one, just mm-hmm. never would have thought. And I don't know how many years, but it was like a mission that I, it needed to be proven. Mm-hmm. I was better than what that undergraduate experience. Um, it was all these other climate factors, right? The environment, the people, like you said, the connections that allowed that to be a thriving and transformative life. Uh, I'll be honest, the classroom, the, that, that, it was daunting and excruciating in ways yeah. that, you know, probably drives a lot of the work I do now. I'll, I'll be honest. Um, so when I came back, I was like, nah, this has to be a different looking system. Uh, and so when I got a 4.0 at graduate level, I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe, maybe there's a difference. I can do this. this right. is yeah, no. it's, it's in here. It's in here. Yeah. <laughs> My mom had to talk me off the ledge. I don't know how many times <laughs> doing undergrad. Like, Yeah. yeah. No, it's the same. I actually moved out of the dorm. True story. Moved out of the dorm, I want to say, second semester of freshman year. Because my mother was like, look, girl, you did too much to get you there. And if you want to you be on campus and you doing all this playing around, you know, playing around, that's the way my mama said it. Um, so you just going to move home. And I was like, oh, how is that going to stop me from doing, you know? But trust, where, where we lived at the time where Georgia Tech was, and you had maybe kind of sort of had to share a car with somebody else, you weren't going nowhere. I needed that. I needed that involved, connected life. I think, Mm -hmm. especially early on, right, until one gets their their footing in this space, I think, especially if you're first gen, that connect, that being around, like I said, people who who you can go to the party and then at two o'clock, we still study it. Like, you know, I tell people, I was like, that's a real thing here. It ain't that we didn't go to the party. No. But if two o'clock didn't mean we won't go back to sleep though. You might have to meet at the fourth floor of the library and oh. knock it out, right? You know? Oh, not the fourth floor of the library. Look. That's that's a that's a whole thing. We could do a whole episode. 
Yeah. 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 Yeah.
in your um in your journey. And what's even funny about that is like my network is filled with those. So I'm like, okay, well let me just let me tap into my network and see what I can do for you, which is what is what happens. But at the same time I'm like, you have to be intentional about developing that network for yourself. And that's a really key lesson that I don't think as an 18, 19 year old, you really, really get and understand like these people we know, we've known them since they were 18, 19 years old. But the thing you kind of help them to see is to take a look around it, right? Look, look at, look at the success networks. And it's, it's true of every professional environment. You can say it's merit plays. I mean, you got to show up and do your part. That's what I tell people. That ain't nothing handed out. You you got to show up and do your part. Right. But no, that network matter. And my daughter, as you know, did go to Georgia Tech, right? right. Um, and she applied and was accepted and I had no idea. Mm. Right? She, mm. the navigating of this, the operating of this, her scholarships, her, I didn't do, I had no idea about each... I was on an area that she ended up getting a scholarship about in the Tasha. And this is the truth. I didn't know until she was like, oh, yeah, like I'm being presented this award and scholarship. You want to go with me? And I was like, really? From who? And she named it. I was like, you know, I'm in that, right? Like, it's like women faculty. I was like, well, I guess it's good. I didn't know because I would have had to cry conflict of interest, but. I had no idea you even applied. I had nothing to do with the voting, but you know, seriously, so to your point, and, and you know, my circle of friends freshman year are still my strongest cohort. We're we're 30 years in. Right. Um, it it makes a difference. It makes a difference of, of who they become. So you think of that whole return on investment, and I, I, I think that's the part we say mentoring a lot in mm-hmm. STEM stories. Um but I think about when I tell people, yeah, you, you build your network and that's inclusive of faculty, of yes. staff, of peers, of mentors, people of alum who look like you and who don't. Correct. Yes. I love, oh, love that point. I need you to say that again. <laughs> I do. Because that's no. the thing I don't want to be. I want, I don't want people to miss it because that's a, it's such a good point. Say no, it again. Yeah. Well, and especially when you are a student of color, and let me just say, particularly from underrepresented minority background, you don't walk in with that network. Some people do. And to their point, their parents going to do it, et cetera. And thank goodness we're getting to second generation where you, where we have parents who can use their network to leverage our students, but it's still new phenomena, right? Some of them, they three, four generations in, right? Presidents sit, have dinner with their grandparents. We don't. We have to cultivate that, and that's what's get us through. I talked about, you know, first-gen, low-income student coming in. It's many times I met the the Stingerette bus and getting to class on time at Tech was because it was the same bus driver from my high school that would make them right. those supposed two stops for me, right? The right. the people who fed me in the student center, whether I had money or not, right? right. Those, that's part of that network, along with the faculty who you can come back later and ask for letters of recommendation for this scholarship or this work. And really, the whole recommendation process is about networks, right? Yeah, yeah. It's things like that that we don't name that I think is really important for students and, and people 
to understand um, that that is a part of it. You don't you don't just get involved and you don't just show up to the event. Sorry, I am on Tech Campus and that's the whistle. <laughs> <laughs> Love uh, that just brought back some memories. Love that. <laughs> I'm gonna um, actually leave this in the episode too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> now, it's a tradition. Anyway, so I'll stop there. But this idea of a strong, multi-layered network that you begin to build along with your STEM story, because STEM just doesn't happen in isolation. Everything's a project team. Yeah, and thus everything's a, a you know you can't name a field that's completely in isolation anymore. Right. And that's the, I, I, I really like to tell people that STEM is everywhere. It's in every, every career, even those who people are like, no, I don't do anything. I don't do any of that. And I'm like, if you're using any piece of technology, if you, you anything that's been engineered, <laughs> you know, like it's probably, you, you probably, you have some, whether it's cursory or not, you have some level of STEM intelligence in there. Um, and so there's not a one of us that can escape it. Um, I would, what I want to do, I want to switch gears. Well, not even switch gears, but I really want to talk about when you came back to get your PhD, um, what you got your PhD in and how that translates to what you're doing now. Okay. So I came back and got my PhD in sociology of technology and science. Um, once again, it was one of those hard decisions because I mentioned I did my, uh, MTS at Emory looking at religion and technology. And so I had actually two PhD offers uh, covered to go in um, religious studies programs looking at the technological implications on religion and things like that. Um, and for some reason, I reached out to, uh, again, Dr. May uh, and wanted to inquire about a letter of recommendation, but I, I, I began to ask because it was a new program that day. And he was like, well, have you talked to Han Chao Long? Luke? He's over in history and sociology and technology and science. I said, wait, what now? What, what area is that? What is that? Right. <laughs> um, and anyway, had the conversation. And so, yeah, Georgia Tech offers a PhD in sociology and technology and science. And I was like, that's it because it did something a lot of Religious studies programs would not allow me to do. Technology mm. changes rapidly. And I knew being in a technological institute, I can analyze, bring in, and do analytical work in juxtaposition with them much differently than if I had landed in one of those. And my interest, interest really has always been around liberation, right? How technology serves liberation, how education can serve liberation, and how religion can serve liberation. So my passion has remained consistent regardless of the field. Um, but I think being able to work in diverse fields have, have served me well. And so when I went into that, my dissertation was um, looking at knowledge production in 3D virtual worlds, right? Because those are all knowledge producing systems. How we educate is to produce knowledge particularly, right? How we use technology in this communications is to produce information and knowledge a particular way, right? Particularly in the wireless industry that's growing so rapid, we're changing how knowledge and information is produced and distributed. And then the same thing um, for me about religion. A lot of people value core systems. The knowledge they have of that sits in how that knowledge is produced through what they do, mm. what mechanisms. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I came in, I, I end up doing, so that was my, my initial thought. I knew from the beginning, I'm going to bring together these three worlds, you know, pulling together committee and I started teaching. I, you know, got a TA assignment because, you know, a PhD life when they paying for you. And, and right. I was always told, you don't get a PhD if they're not going to pay for it. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. that says a lot about who wants you where. Um, and so I was TAing, but I started doing these teaching courses in history and in social around um, civil rights movement and things like that. Um, and so I, I end up working with Dr. Willie Pearson. And that split me off to do a parallel track. I'll be honest. I don't recommend this because the goal of your PhD is to go ahead and get done. Right. <laughs> um, right. So I, my dissertation was on knowledge production in 3D virtual worlds, looking at, at that. At, however, I did a lot of work on STEM diversity with mm-hmm. Dr. Pearson, right? Because that was the pay gig. That's where the research dollars was. That's where the TA assignment, that's what you did. And I ended up working um, with the National Academies on one of their uh, research projects about women in science uh, and, and globally. And then that led to me looking at African-Americans um, and their experience in engineering. Mm-hmm. And particularly starting kind of with Georgia Tech, that became my master's. Uh, I call it... Uh, Cultural trauma, uh, African American experience <laughs> in terms of that, um, building off Ron Ehrman's, uh theory there, to be honest, mm-hmm. and then uh, went ahead and, and finished both. So my dissertation uh, brought in an LMC, sociology, sociology of technology and science and sociology of religion. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, you can imagine those committee conversations, but it, w- it was good because it required me to move into field, right? So I'm, I'm convincing experts that what I'm arguing is the expert, uh, of the, um, but that skill set came in handy to where I am now. And I'll say I left and like most people thinking, okay, you know, it's time. I'm going to leave Atlanta. I'm going to go get a post. Doctorate. I was only looking at postdoc uh, programs because I couldn't commit to more than two or three years outside of Atlanta. But I was like, let me start there, turn this <laughs> dissertation into a book or something, and and then I'll come back and see what I really wanted to do. Um, and, and and thoughts around the professorate. But for me, I was like, I went into this wanting to make an impact. Like I said, for me, it was about liberation, right? And how yeah. I use this thing. Um, so I began to say the administrative side, I might still do my research. Finally, I fell in love with research. I, I thought teaching, right? Education would be that. But I fell in love with research doing my PhD. I didn't think that would happen. Um, and so I was like, I continue doing research. I can hopefully make the impact I want, right? In, in different ways, but taking the administrative route in academia may get me there. Uh, and so I, I changed um, and I did some curriculum development and consulting uh, work, to be honest, for about two years because of the TA and teaching along the way. It opened up paths. Right. So I can right. consult and finish and all of that. Um, but I didn't want to work that hard on my own. I applaud you all to have your own businesses. <laughs> my sit over there is ad hoc work like ah, I'm going to work on this project, and by the way, I do have a business, I can do that, and consult it, and you know, and then, no, I don't have to do that full time, um, but this position opened up, uh, 
Andre Dickens actually was my predecessor uh, as assistant director over here in OMED, and we all know where his political aspirations yeah. were going. Um, and he, when he left OMED, uh, Erica called. It was like, so you know, here's a <laughs> and I was just like, ah. oh my god, you said I'm coming back to tech. Like, <laughs> I just a full time like job, like ooh, you know. She's like, well, just look into it. And when I did, I was just like, you know what, God, this is. This is spot on. Let me at least apply. And uh, yeah, it's a really long uh, interview <laughs> and uh, processing, but I, I got the position. And then within two years, the director position opened up and applied for that. And uh, yeah, for national search I, um, and seven rounds of interviews and talks. Uh, here I am. So I'm delighted to be here. It was meant. It was meant. Um, I can't, I don't even recall where I was when I heard the news, but I think I did a little shout and a little shimmy dance when I heard. And I was like, oh man, like this is, I I mean, again, it's one of those things where you don't even know what it's going to be. You just know it's going to be good. (laughs) Thank you. Look, the love from Georgia Tech alumni, I will say, I was just like, okay, so you really can't mess this up. It's way too many people. (laughs) Like. Oh, man. And then within the year, the students, right? So between alumni and students, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but you can't mess this up. Um, and then I also, I'll be honest, I had to do a deep prayer about it because I couldn't go in here fearful. Mm, I couldn't yes. come into this work fearful. And to be honest, again, I'm still that struggling undergrad. It, it was fear at first, I think, of can I do this? You know, not whether or not mm. I was qualified or equipped, but can I do this work? Yeah. Can I do it? And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I think one second I was like, yeah, if you're going to do it though, you can't go in there right. and, uh So praise God, here I am. I love, love it. And so for people who don't know, because, you know, Georgia Tech is, that's my place. Um, so tell exactly what is OMED and what is it that you do there? Um and what does OMED do on for at Georgia Tech? Wow. So OMED is the Office of Minority Educational Development at Georgia Tech. It's actually one of the oldest diversity units. Um, I would say not even just at Tech. In, in many entities, I know diversity has become a little bit more of a buzz and things like that. Mm-hmm. But OMED's been doing this since 1979. It started with Challenge. So a lot of people hear about Challenge, but Challenge is a... Uh, um, a summer bridge program, but more so in a, it's called challenge for a reason. I think a lot of people think summer bridge is kind of, oh, a soft transitioning into, and challenge is the opposite of that. <laughs> real. For <So> real. <laughs> challenge is a summer full course load of STEM only classes. Uh, with a very supportive network though, but it's faculty, it's staff, it's workshop, it, it stresses you to take academic risk and it's become even more so in recent years. It evolved to start offering tutoring, academic support, um, peer mentoring, uh, you know, peer mentoring has become a bit, but OMAD was doing what we used to call team coaches since the 90s. Mm-hmm. Right, partnering underrepresented minority students, particularly at PWIs, with an upperclassman that, you know, outside the professional kind of gives you some tips, walks with you, right, become that peer mentor along the way, which became a valuable um, practice and enterprise, I'll be honest. Um, and now we've evolved 
to offer 11 different programs and initiatives. We serve Black, Latinx, uh, multiracial, and indigenous students. Um, we serve all classifications and majors. We have academic, so we're an academic unit where we do curriculum and tutoring and advising and coaching. But we're also a cultural unit. We have the African American Mellow Initiative. We have the Women of Color Initiative. Um, and we are also a, uh, professional development unit. So we have, uh, Career Alliance, our Career Pathway programs. We have Periscope. Um, and we are also launching a new transfer units. Um, so we probably are one of the few of our, our, our kind, I would say, but for many places, we're home away from home for many students to come here. Right? No, totally. I'll just say this. I love, I loved the OMET when I was on campus. Um, I felt like that was the one place where I felt safe there, right? Um, just being in the, in the, and not even wanting anything, just sort of walking into the building and having someone to talk to. <laughs> and it's just like, shouldn't you be in class right now? You know, one of those things, but, but like having someone to talk to and through stuff with meant everything. Um, and OMED did that. Um, it, yeah. they did that. So I think in doing that era, I, well, you may be a little younger than I am, I believe. I'm not sure. Uh, but during that, you know, early 90s era when it was all Georgia Tech alum, many of them who were current grad students, right, pushing OMED for So you're, you're Dr. Gavin Sams now, but you yeah. know, Gavin Sams, right, who's pushing in your S. Gordon Moore, Ray Hart, Cedric Stott, with people who invested because they knew that journey and they knew yeah. it well, right? Um, so many of us, it was a time that most of OMED's uh, professional staff were all Georgia Tech alum. So yeah. that says a lot when you have those engineering, business, design, et cetera, majors who come back, right? And some after careers, some stayed around straight through uh, in academia, um, but investing in the how things were developed. And so um, for me to come into this place, I, I inherited a strong um, mechanism and then, you know, definitely um, grateful for what I've been at, able to add and contribute in these last two years. Well, I know that you'll continue to do that in any any. Uh person of color walking on, on Georgia Tech's campus, um, please go find the OMED office and ask for Dr. Atwater's report. I mean, she's, you know, let's do it. Um, or at least her staff. I know they'll be welcoming and it, it is the place you want to be and, and see all that they have to offer. Um, they're more than just challenged. I think that's the first for many students that's their first sort of foray into what all it offers, but it's just, it's the lifesaver you need on a campus that big and one where the majority of the people don't look like you and they don't understand your struggles. Um, that's the one place, that's a safe place for you. Okay. <laughs> so if people are looking for you and they will be looking for you after this interview, um, where can they find, like what's coming up for you? Where can they find you? Um, and yeah, just tell us all of those things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people find me, it seems easily around here. I don't know. In the digital era, I tell people being, I think I'm the only person with my name, Sabrina with a Y, Atwaters with an S, 
And so you're, people find you pretty easily. But if you want to direct, you know, if it is um, Georgia Tech related, and I would say this, you know, I have to say this interview is not a Georgia Tech interview. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we do have media requests for that. But if it is Georgia Tech related, you can definitely find me at sabrina.atwaters at omed.gotech.edu. And I encourage you definitely follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, um, OmedGT or GT Omed. So depending on which one you are, you can find uh, any of that. If it's, you know, um, like I said, there's just so many interconnected things. I, 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 um, do do you know we have a women of color collaborative in higher education now that is citywide and, and the Wokey website is out there uh, under OMED if you look under programs in Wokey you can get more information there and and if your interest is is kind of in that area across the city of Atlanta we would love uh, to have more partners and people engage with that cohort. Um, I still do some of my research consulting, but I'll be honest, I don't <laughs> put that out much. Um, but I, I do a lot of uh, research uh, design, right? A lot of people are looking at ways, how do we do STEM equity? Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a buzz around, hey, we want to do diversity, equity, and inclusion work, but a lot of people don't know. And I take, I'm a sociologist. I take a systems approach to that. I think it's a systemic issue. Um, and so I help people look at from a systems level, right? What's going on with your organization, your institution? And then how do you address the inequities that might have been there, right? That might have been overlooked that may be in practices, policies and procedures to, to create more equity income and, um, outcomes, income and, and so forth and so on. Um, and that's via Alia Designs, which you also can find me on my personal on website, LinkedIn, you know, uh, the, the usual channels now, uh, I guess. Uh, so definitely feel free to reach out. <laughs> All right. Okay. So thank you. So tell me um, this one last question. This is the question that we asked um, everyone uh, that is a guest on the show. Um, if you could travel back through time and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give her and why? I, I, ah, yeah. You know what I would say to younger Sabrina is that she, she's enough. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up and again, you know, if Georgia was 49th on, on academic curriculum, then, you know, Murphy was pretty low within our system, right? right. Um, you know, it's so many ways people diminish you. Mm-hmm. And I would tell her, no, you're not. You have enough faith. You're smart enough. You're skilled enough. You're strong enough. Um, you have enough to obtain whatever goal, interest, passion, life that you desire. Your dreams are not too big. You don't have to diminish yourself or the vision God places in you, even when it gets hard or lonely or disappointing or unreciprocated, right? That some of your service you're giving, right? It won't be met with um, kindness or acceptance. And even if you fail, right? It all passes. Keep going. You are not. Keep going. Hold your head high. Keep your faith strong. But you are enough. 
that's that's the message if I could to I would just try to drill in her. It would have saved a lot of hmm, probably winding roads that could have been a little straighter and and not taking on some of the structures, systems and practices that were meant to oppress, right? Yeah. Meant to push you out, meant to disregard. Um and yeah, I think that that knowing you enough helps the persistence. Um but also well being in the midst of per- it's one thing to persist, right? And to survive. I think when you know, you know what, yeah, I'm enough. Yeah. You're able to thrive in difficulty. And that I have enough. You know, the other part about being, about knowing you're enough is that you can do it quietly. Like you don't need to, there's, you know, you know when to war and then you know when to walk silently. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to prove all the time. No, you just do. It doesn't make you feel like you do. Still. And I tell people, uh, I'll, I'll end on this, you know, you know, people, I find myself not really wanting to use the language imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Because it makes it seem like it's a disease thing that cultivated completely internal. Like it's just about what you think. I think there's too many structures, systems, barriers, historical practices that have shaped the very real felt impact of oppression and inequities and systemic racism and, 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 and sexism upon people particularly pursuing STEM So I don't I don't think it's a, a, an impossible like it's all in the past. Mm-hmm. What I do think though, what I do think is the way it does get in, adopted and becomes part of the self regularization, yeah. regulating of one's Actions and choices and behaviors that you you can meet in the process, and the Ooh. sooner you do that, the better. I got chills. <laughs> I got chills. Okay. Um. There's there's so much here. Um. There's so much here. I really want to thank you, um, Dr. Atwaters, for a for just being immutable for for us to even have these things. Like, I mean, your process, your your calendar is crazy, mine too. But we we made a way to make this happen. Um, yeah. But I really want to, I really want to take the time to just thank you for not just for this interview, but for like the work that you do, like the space that you hold, um, and your work because it matters. Um, and I really want you to know that even as you you know, go about, cause you aren't, you're not a, uh, you're not a person who roars. Um, you do do your work. Um, but people notice and I want you to know that like we, I'm here for it. Um, you have a fan, um, you have a supporter, um, and anything you need from me on the record, off the record, on the record, anything you need from me, I am there for it. Wow. Uh, Thank you so much. And so I really want to, yeah, I just want, I want you to know that I just am so appreciative of of you and the work that you're doing. It means a lot. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity, the platform. Um, I 
look, I, I love it. I, this is my first podcast, per se. Oh. Right? Interviews normally look a little different. I love the name. I mean, thank you for creating, creating this platform, right? I had a chance to look at some of the stories and, and podcasts out there. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. I really am. Because oh. there's so many amazing people doing amazing things. So thank you very much for this invitation um, opportunity. And I'm excited about the impact uh, and the outcomes of, of the work that I, I, I really am privileged to do. I get to work with amazing people all the time, and that includes making students um, <laughs> and faculty, staff, and people in the community uh, like yourself. So thank you very much. Awesome. Oh, thanks. All right, you guys. So uh, this concludes the latest episode of Sending Your Stilettos. Um, I know you're going to walk away with many good nuggets and probably goose pimples all over your skin <laughs> um, from all of the nuggets that were dropped. Um, and as as I normally end every show, you guys keep yourself safe and be well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Stimming and Stilettos. Please check out the show notes to get additional information about today's guest or today's topic. You can find the podcast on every major podcast platform. You can find additional information about Dr. Tasha at www.drtasha.com. Thanks again, and don't forget to tune in every Tuesday for the latest episode of Stimming in Stilettos.